You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Emma. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We have a very special episode tonight. We've been talking for a long time, Miles, about doing these roundtable uh, round podcasts again. Right. I think the last one we had was with, with, with Keith. We did the, uh, you know, what is science fiction show? Sure. Yeah. Wasn't that, that, wasn't that the one we were talking about? Or was it is Star Wars science fiction with Jim Arrowwood? I believe you were a part of that, right? I was. Yep. And Dave, David, I believe, was also. Oh, yes. Yes, I believe he was. I think Raul joined us for that, Yeah, too. we had a bunch of people on that show. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yep. I, I'm Scott Herzog. I'm one of the hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner. And good evening. I'm, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have with us on here, as you heard the voice, Jim Arrowwood is with us tonight. Hello. And we also have, from the Chronic Rift Network, uh, kind of our, our godfather, so to speak, John Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah, John S. Drew from, uh, you, you do the Chronic Rift. You have a, how many other podcasts are you doing right now? Right now, I'm doing only three, I think, that I'm actually appearing in Chronic <laughs> Rift. Um, the Batcave podcast, three. only three, and <laughs> Cyborg's a Bionic podcast. Yeah. I, I also produce a couple of others, though, uh, in the network, including Keith's uh, Dead Kitchen radio podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And we have with us as well, and you heard his voice just a moment ago, Jim Beard is with us. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great to have all of you here. And, uh, and, and Jim, you have uh, – do you run a podcast at all? N- no, I don't. No, I'm too low tech for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think that uh, you uh, your cred comes more in the writing field, if I'm correct. Uh, right. Um, as far as my Batman claim to fame, I'm the uh, creator, editor, and a contributor to a book about the Batman '66 uh, TV series called Gotham City: 14 Miles. Awesome. And it's uh, 14 essays on why the 1960s Batman TV series matters. Oh, good. Cool. That's an aw- That's awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't we go? I thought we'd start by going in and talking about kind of maybe our background with Batman and our connection to Batman before we go get into some of the uh, more uh, technical and nitty gritty of the show. And and I thought, um, let me start off with uh, kind of where I'm at with Batman. Uh, I did not grow up watching Batman. I know it's probably a sacrilege, right? And you know, we're among all these, uh, all of us geeks yeah, here. I'm out of here. Yeah, you're out. Yeah, yeah, what I'm, is wrong? With yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Come on, come on, John. Let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> go, go have your other podcast. No, no, no. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I got into Batman much later. In fact, I think the first encounter I remember having with Batman was at a theater that's no longer here, and it was the, um, it was was a Michael Keaton Batman. So that's, that was my first encounter because I, 
we grew up without television for most of my life. I did a lot of reading in science fiction, uh, but that wasn't really in the comic books. It was like Andre North. I you know, also see Clark, Asmob, and some of the sci-fi greats that are out there. And then got into television and then into the animated Batman actually much later. Actually re-fell in love with it when my son got old enough and we just went through a Batman craze. We watched Batman like 24-7. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't just one series. It was a bunch of the different series of animated Batman. Batman that were out there. So that's kind of my short history of Batman. Miles, how about for you? Batman goes back to my earliest memories when I was a small child. Um, the, the classic Batman series with with uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, um, and but this was the early 70s, so by the, they were running this in reruns, so they were running it all the time, and which was fantastic. Uh, also, there was lot of Batman toys out there. So I had Batman Robin action figures. I think I might have had a Batmobile, a Bat, a Batman utility belt. Um, and so very early on, I got an introduction into um, Batman. Um, I also enjoyed the Batman movies um, with, you know, with um, that came out in the late eighties and early nineties and also the animated series that came out in, in, in the 90s. I thought that was very well done. Um, Love Batman Beyond that came after that. Um, the Christopher Nolan movies, um, I enjoyed those also. Uh, and also the, the, um, the animated movies that the, the folks from DC Comics Justice League are putting out. Um, these standalone uh, animated movies that, that have come out over the last few years. The most recent one was uh, Son of Batman, uh, where um, – well, I'll just, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to give away any, any spoilers away, but I just watched that recently. That was very enjoyable. Um, there was Batman Year One that, that came out not too long ago. Also, um, in the animated uh, uh, standalone movies, it was um, – um, Rise of the Dark Knight, I believe it was part one and two that came out. And a lot of these are, even though they're animated, they're really more for adults because of, you know, they're a little on the violent side. And um, so it's, but, but still great storytelling. So I've, I've enjoyed Batman probably my whole entire life. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Jim Arrowwood, how about you? What, tell me about your encounter with Batman, how Batman plays into your history. Well, thinking back a long, long time, I believe my dad bought me a Batman comic book one time, and and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Then there was the Batman TV show with Adam West, and it was on, in our time zone anyway, we lived in San Francisco at the time, Uh, uh, it was on opposite of Lost in Space. And Lost in Space had gotten so ridiculous that I started watching Batman and thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I followed the comic books. There were some cartoon series. There was one I remember called the Batman Superman Hour. Um, a whole, uh, just, just some of that. Uh, I'm not a real huge fan, I, I guess I, could, I should admit, of Batman. Um, he's cool. I've watched a couple of the movies. But it's been pretty limited, so my knowledge of Batman himself is probably not at the top of the chain. Awesome. 
Well, uh, that's, that's great. We need that perspective as well. Jim Beard, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your background with Batman. Well, um, I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't immersed uh, in, in in the character. He, you know, full disclosure, he is my most favorite fictional character of all time, of of anything. Uh, you know, comics, novels, movies, TV. He, he transcends all of that for for me. It's such a, a large figure uh, in my life. Surprisingly enough, I was only nine months old when the Adam West TV series uh, debuted, but by the time I was 14 months, my mother actually made a little uh, note in my baby book um, that I was uh, dancing to the Batman theme music. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, li- literally, like, that, that TV show, you know, set me up for, for life. Uh, there were always... Uh, Batman comics uh, sitting around the uh, the house. You know, my dad was a huge Batman fan from the 40s and 50s, uh, so there was some of his comics sitting around, comics that he had bought from my older siblings. You know, uh, and and it just kind of you know steamrolled uh, from there all the way up until uh, 2010 when I put out the book on on the TV series. It, it is my most favorite TV series of of all time uh too so uh so so there you have it again it's like i i don't remember a time where i was not interested in batman and it's awesome that your father kind of uh, helped foster that love as well absolutely yeah, yeah. again you know uh, a, a big comic book fan and a big pulp uh fan too and uh, i'm actually a pulp writer right now so so he fostered you know both both of those within me yeah awesome John, tell us about uh, your background with Batman. Well, I, I got to ask first, though, Jim, did you bat to see when you danced? <laughs> <laughs> what? Say that again. Did, did you bat to see when you danced as a baby? You, you know what? That has not. That was not recorded. That is lost <laughs> to history uh, in the midst of time as to whether or not I actually bat to see. <laughs> <laughs> it'll pop up in youtube sometime you watch yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man but i i'm a first generation syndication batman as far as you know adam west is concerned and that that was my entry to the batman series was watching it in the early 70s even before and and I, you know my 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 favorite uh heroic television fictional character is Steve Austin, the $6 million man. But before that, it was Batman. Um, I mean, I watched the cartoons, the Super Friends, all the incarnations that have been out since then. Beware the Bat even, which Cartoon Network has really been treating very shabbily. Um, I've always had a great interest in the character, but it always comes back to the Adam West series because out of them all, there is a goofy charm. There is a, a, a much more heroic nature to him instead of a dark, brooding character like we get a lot of times these days with our Batman. I, I read the comics uh, in the 80s and the early 90s. And the only reason I actually gave up on the comic books was just because of cost. Uh, it's just too expensive to keep up a comic book habit these days. <laughs> but I, I loved the stuff. That was being done by, you know, Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. And at, at that time, it was weird. It was different. Um, and yet it was still Batman. 
So, you know, that that's where I come from. And anytime, you know, there is a new Batman product, as I say, I, I, I watched even Beware the Bat. I won't say it's one of the better ones, but it had its moments. Right, right. Well, awesome. Well, so here's the reason we're really talking tonight. I had a student, Elazar, uh, who walked into my creative writing class here in... Uh, I guess it was January, and one of the first discussions we had, and we actually had a class discussion on this, was whether his argument, and he posited, the Batman does not belong in the League of Superheroes. He's certainly great, but he's not really a superhero. So this kind of jokingly became an argument that lasted really until he, uh, until he left my class here at the beginning of June. and 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 it was a question that, I, I'd asked Sean Miro, who is a writer from Canada. He had Skyped into the classroom to talk about writing with my creative writing class, and he jokingly answered the question. Um, but, I, you know, as I was preparing for this podcast, I had that I had that quote from Trinity in The Matrix, you know, saying it's a question that drives us, right? And it's, and it's this question that kind of drives this question for me. You know, does he belong in the superhero Realm, and so before we answer that, I thought maybe we could get a little bit of a background into his introduction into the comic book universe, and then maybe uh, I thought maybe Jim, you can comment on that, and then John, maybe have you talk a little bit about Batman's introduction into the television world. Does that sound good? Great. All right, so that works. All right, so uh, Jim. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Batman's introduction into the comic book universe? And, and this is me, Jim. <laughs> yes, that's yes. you, Jim. Sorry, <laughs> okay. I didn't clarify. I didn't clarify that, Jim Arrowwood. I'm sorry. I didn't make, didn't clarify that, Jim Beard. I wouldn't have been um, able to help anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 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 give it the old uh, Bob King try here. Um, uh, Batman uh, basically was a direct response to Superman. Uh, Superman debuted in 1938. Um, and uh, the uh, the what was then uh, national comics, uh, what we know now as DC comics, um, the uh, the people at the top there turned to Bob Kane and uh, said, you know, we need another hit. We want another hit, and you know, what do you got? Uh, we know now that Bob Kane, uh, had a few ideas, um, about a, uh, a bat, uh, themed superhero. Uh, yeah, see, I've already answered that question right there, didn't I? Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, uh, he turned to writer Bill Finger, uh, to help him, uh, flesh it out. Uh, uh, we know now that Bill Finger added in so many more elements, uh, to Bob Kane's original idea. Um, uh, his secret identity is Bruce Wayne and, uh, you know, defining the costume, uh, the, the major villains, later Robin. Um, and, uh, just like Superman, Batman was a hit, uh, right off the bat, uh, <laughs> to, to borrow a phrase from John S. Drew. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I, I, I mean, um, that was 1939, uh, by, by 1940, he, uh, he debuted in Detective Comics number 27, but by, uh, 1940, he was already given his own series, uh, titled Batman, so, uh, he had two books, uh, running at the same time, and, it, it, you know, uh, they were, 
they were lucky at that at that time because it was it was you know another lightning strike uh, you know uh, it wasn't a slow build uh, literally you know the character was was a hit um, and uh, and you couldn't have a you know a, a more different character than Superman at that time uh, which is really a wonderful thing that they had two main characters that you know were kind of this dark dark and light. Um, it's kind of a um, a mistake uh, to assume that the original Batman of 1939 was an overall dark character. I talk a lot about that in Gotham City 14 Miles. There's a lot going on in that first year before Robin appears where he's very much like Adam West's portrayal uh, of, of the character. Um, but, but again, um, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and Bill Finger has finally gotten a, a more or less official acknowledgement. They're going to put out, uh, next month, or DC is putting out a free comic book that's going to be handed out at libraries and comic shops. And on the cover, Bill Finger actually gets a credit right under Bob Kane, and that has never happened before. So that's a huge, huge uh, victory for not only Bill F- uh, Finger's family, but for Batman fans everywhere. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So so he appears in, and what was the year again that you said it, but I missed it. What was the year that he appeared in? Oh, 1939. 1939, so right after yeah. Superman. Um, right. This, this is his 75th anniversary, obviously. Yep, uh, yep. <laughs> It's a great time to be doing this podcast, then too, uh, John. T- so yeah, so John, he he, uh, he appears in television then in the sixties. First time in television, right? First time on television was uh, nineteen sixty six. Prior to that, he had uh, appeared in two uh, movie serials. Um, I forget. I think it's Universal actually had produced those. I forget though exactly who those were, um, and. He also had appeared on a radio. He appeared actually on the Adventures of Superman radio show. He had done occasional team ups with Superman. He and Robin, uh, and Robin was also in the in the uh, movie serials. But he didn't appear on television until 1966. Um, at the time, it was the ABC Television Network, and they were, you know, basically in the basement when it came to ratings. They everything they were putting out there was failing miserably, and. They needed to get a show on there. They needed a hit, and they had acquired the Batman rights, uh, and they'd approached producer William Dozier to develop the show into a series. And he looked at it, and he thought it was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever <laughs> seen. But he, but he had read this. And, and Jim, if I'm missing anything here, you know, jump in. And, and but he sure. had been reading this. This um, they'd given him several issues, and they gave him one. With of all characters, you know, because nowadays we take him for granted, the Riddler. But the Riddler had only appeared in three comics in the entire run of Batman up until that point. He was never considered a mainstream or or one of the big league villains the way Joker, Penguin, and Catwoman were. Um, right. But as he read that comic, he saw the 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 he struck on something there as far as the humor was concerned, and so he. Um, you know, went back to the network. He went back, actually, uh, the uh, person who was in charge of uh, development of programs at ABC on the West Coast was Harv Bennett, who would go on to produce Six Million Dollar Man and the Star Trek movies in the 80s and 90s. Um, and, and basically, they put together the show. They did a pilot with Frank Gorshin playing the Riddler, and it was one of the worst shows that they had ever produced, according to 
audience test results. It scored low numbers. They tried rejiggering the show different ways. They put a laugh track on it. There was even at one point when the audience was watching it, I'd read somewhere that people were holding up signs going, you can laugh now. This is funny. And people were like, this is stupid. But ABC had nothing else to show for their network at the mid-season time. So they went ahead with production on Batman anyway, because they'd already spent the money on the sets, the pilot. Everything was all set. And that first night, that first episode aired the way it was meant to be aired. And it was like just the heavens opened up and everybody got into Batmania. Wow. Uh, and, 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 you know, one of the things I do on the podcast is I'm trying to, because over the years, people are always saying, oh, the Batman series, that was silly. Or there are many, and Jim, don't say it. There are many people who say that it ruined the Batman character for a long time <laughs> without realizing, don't say it, Jim. I know who you're going to say. <laughs> uh, but, but they don't realize or, or, which is kind of sad because some of these people who are saying it claim they're comic historians, but they don't realize that that's exactly what the comic book was at the time. The TV show spoke to the comic book series, but they did it in a television format, which is what, you know, when you change over to another medium, you have to do. You have to fit it to fit the medium. I think it was just a blend of the counterculture at the time, uh, television becoming color, so that now you have this beautiful color you know, images of Batman and Robin coming to life on the screen. It just all clicked at the one time. It was like lightning in a bottle. Mm. The, the sum of its parts is 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 just incredible. Uh, real quick, one thing that John touched upon uh, uh, very briefly was Dozier's uh, disdain for comic books and for the character of Batman. Um, you can see this in interviews with him, uh, uh, filmed interviews and in, in print interviews that uh, his disdain uh, for the whole uh, industry and, and the genre, whatever you want to call it, but that actually channeled into what became this I incredible show. Um, Adam West was a Batman fan as a kid and, and saw the potential in the, those first scripts and got what they were after. Um, you can take any one of these people out of that the equation of that show, and it might have fallen apart, and we might not have had what we have today. And it, to me, there's just no way it could be duplicated today. It was just one of those things that came together out of so many, uh, uh, you know, separate pieces. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Jim Jim Beard and, and, and John, did you do you guys see um, Back to the Batcave? I guess that came out about maybe ten or more years ago. It was you know had uh, return return to the Batcave. Return, Cave. thank you. Yes, I just uh, yeah. I, I was curious what, what what you both thought of that. John, you want to take that one? I you know for what it was at the time, it was great to see Adam and Bert together again and hamming it up. I mean, they clearly you know one of my arguments as I'm watching the series now is that over time, Adam West, who had allowed himself to be the joke in the whole series while all the world was spinning around him, he allowed himself to be the joke. Eventually I got the impression that Adam was like, I don't want to be the joke anymore. I want to, you know, be in on the joke. And he would start winking at the camera. It is a huge winking at the camera movie, but at the same time, I was thrilled to see the two of them back together again, driving the Batmobile, even got a bat fight out of it. So you know what? 
I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I don't know about you, Jim, but I love it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a fan of it, uh, and uh, I, I want to call out the flashback sequences uh, where you know they reenact um, uh, scenes from the cre- you know the creation of the show and the filming of the show. It's mm-hmm. actually done very well, and it's done lovingly, and it actually is fairly accurate. Like most of those TV movies, uh, they um, compress um, you know, certain things, they shorthand e- events. But you know what? It's actually fairly accurate, and the two guys that they have playing, Adam West and Burt Ward, um, y- you know, certainly evoke the, the feeling of it um i i can recommend it you know um maybe if you just don't understand the batman tv series you might not get you know what what's going on but uh any any show that reunites frank gorshin julie newmar adam west burt ward lee merriweather and lyle wagner <laughs> is, <laughs> is is good in my book oh there you go there you go well i you know I think when my student brought this up, he was thinking kind of what as Merriam-Webster kind of defines when we talk about a superhero. And they, their definition is a fictional hero that has extraordinary or superhuman powers. And I must add that they do have added on to their definition an ex- exceptionally skillful or successful person as well. But I think today when most people think of superheroes, they think of them as possessing superpowers. Um and yeah. I thought maybe what we can do is just thoughts on what constitutes a superhero to maybe us. Do they need to have these innate or mutated powers or, or, or do we allow them to be something else? And uh, Jim Arrowwood, you've been quiet for a while. Let's uh, put you on the spot here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what constitutes a superhero? To me, Nolan Ryan was a superhero. Um a superhero would be somebody that does something that no one else can do. Okay. In the case of Batman, uh, I see a super intellect. Okay. So he doesn't fly, um, without help, but, but he's really smart. He comes up with all these wonderful gadgets as Jack Nicholson said, um, all these wonderful toys. Uh, a person, a person who is not superior in their intellect, wouldn't come up with something like that. Yeah, very good, Miles. How about you? Uh, how do you, when you think of a superhero, what what comes, what, what's in your mind? Um, it doesn't have. They don't have to have superhuman powers. Um, they can, um, they can have a a, a burden or. Well, just to 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 right right certain wrongs. They could have been a victim of a, of a great wrong, and so this has put, given them a mission in life where they um, they they go out there to 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 right those wrongs or to help those who can't help themselves. Um, and oftentimes, these superheroes are people who experienced horrible tragedy in their lives when they were younger and um they um they they rise above it or or this tragedy is is sometimes a demon of theirs and that's something that they 
it motivates them to do what they do, or it's something that, or, or it's somebody who maybe physically is is not, is not even a superhero at all, but maybe just is just you know smart or compassionate and wants to do the right thing. Um, if your student thinks that Batman is not a superhero because um, you know he doesn't have super powers, then I found a list of twenty twenty uh, one other other people that are, are you know considered superheroes by others, but don't have powers. Uh, yeah, he I, he would argue that they were not superheroes either. They're heroes, mm-hmm. but they're not superheroes. That would be his argument. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned tragedy being essential to a superhero. Do you think? Uh, uh, and this is general for anyone here on the on the panel. Um, do you think? having a tragic past is essential to having a good superhero and anyone can jump in here. I I don't think so. Um, I think it, it, it could be, um, with, with very great respect to your, your student, um, (laughs) this is to me, it's a common misunderstanding of the term superhero. Um, the focus is on that word super and they're attaching it to extra normal powers or abilities, when in reality it refers to the word hero. It's their heroism that's super or superior. Uh, to me, uh, your common hero, and I don't mean that as a put-down by saying that, your common hero um, commits an act of heroism um, on the spur of the moment that their their natural goodness comes through in, in a situation where it demands that. A superhero is going above and beyond with their heroism. Basically, they're making a career of it. They're seeking out ways to be a hero, an active hero, and commit active you know, acts of, of heroism. Uh, you don't need to have any sort of powers to do that. You have to have a drive and a commitment and, again, make it a career. Now, a colorful costume and a colorful code name helps. <laughs> and I think that, that, I think that, you know, that has become a part of the superhero. But it's funny when, when this, you know, when, when John told me, uh, you know, the, what the question was, this question has always irked me. It's a common misconception, you know, uh, of what that means. We focus on the flashy part and not on the heroism part. Um, um, of course, Batman is a superhero. He is so rooted in the pulp tradition. He is a, uh, what he does and the way he does it is so much in the pulp tradition he's basically the shadow and some other pulp characters all rolled into one in fact his very first story the case of the chemical syndicate is a is a shadow story that bob kane and bill finger bill finger stole (laughs) i hate to say it sorry they plagiarized it and and turned it into a batman story so he's very rooted in the pulp tradition but but that he um also wears a costume and has a code name and he makes a career out of this adventuring and this uh, uh, being a champion and a crusader. Of course, he's a superhero. Um, you know, it, it never occurred to me that that he isn't because, again, I, I see it as the heroism is the super part, not not that they're a superman. 
Right. And maybe sorry. I, no, no, I no. Don't off soapbox. No, I know. Believe me, this is this is the sort of discussion that we want to have going here because, uh, you know, I we we will come at it maybe from slightly different perspectives, but I, uh, I we want to we want to hear this, John. How about you? I'm with Jim on the whole. You know, focusing on the word superhero or super instead of the word hero. Um, I teach high school English. And um, I teach, in particular, English literature. And we start at the beginning of the year with Beowulf. And we do Beowulf and some stories from the Canterbury Tales and um, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. We lead all the way up to Macbeth. And the whole time, we're telling the hero's journey from the the out-and-out selfless person who has a flaw, though, in him being Beowulf and his pride to the person who once was the hero and tragically has fallen because of his desire for power. But each of those in their own way are characters who are, or at one point were heroic. And as part of the whole thing, I, you know, I, I introduced the kids to Joseph Campbell and his definition of hero being, you know, someone who basically gives of his or herself to something greater than his or herself. And to me, you know, when you look at that, yes, all our superheroes are heroic. But to me, the greatest hero of them all who would stand out would be Batman because he's just a man in the end. Yes, he's got a lot of money and he's got a lot of power to create gadgets and stuff. But he could very easily and as has been proven in the comics, can be badly injured or even killed. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. It, it, a great ri- at great risk to himself, he ha- he is uh, consistently out in the world, you know, help helping others. It- it's a full time, basically a full time, you know, uh, position. Super meaning above and beyond, uh, above and beyond heroism. Constant looking for ways to be a hero rather than. Well, stumbling into it, uh, you know, I guess, like any one of us could be. If we're walking down the street and there's a burning building and on the spur of the moment we run in there and we rescue somebody, you know, we weren't walking down the street looking for a burning building or, you know, or a way to be a hero. We we just did it. Batman goes out looking for the burning buildings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so I think that one of the things that, is coming through here that there's an intentionality uh, when we talk about in, in all our superheroes, one of the things that makes them heroic is an, an intentional intervention into the lives of common humanity or in the realm of the villains that they're trying to thwart, right? So there seems to be an intentional heroism, and that seems to be what makes maybe more super than any uh, mutated gene or super strength or anything like that, even though that can be a part of it. Am I correct in that? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Are there any other, are there any, are there any other qualities? Maybe this is for general discussion here. Any other qualities that about Batman, other than the fact that he's intentionally looking for wrongs to right that really solidify him in the superhero Genre. I mean, he was in the comic books and that, but I mean, as far as a figure in that. To me, if I may, yeah, go every ahead. other every other superhero that we see, to a certain extent, 
still tries to have a normal life. Now, one might say this is just part of, you know, what makes Batman a little bit more on the crazier side in, in some cases. But to me, and we've seen this, especially like in the animated series, the way Kevin Conroy uh, developed the Batman voice. Batman is more the person and Bruce Wayne is the persona. You know, in a way, Bruce Wayne died that night in the alley yeah. when his parents yeah. were killed and and Batman yeah. was born. And, and now Bruce Wayne is his costumed identity that he puts on in order to get other things done when Batman is not able to, whereas Superman will be Clark Kent and Superman wants the girl and, you know, Spider-Man wants Mary Jane Watson and such. Um, even Captain America tries to balance, you know, as Steve Rogers having some sort of a life. But Batman is always, you know, it, it's and even, yes, Adam West Batman. You know, there have been times where he's had the opportunity to be with a woman. And it's just as as we just actually discussed the other day, Jim and I and, and several others uh, about the Batman movie. You know, when he found out that Miss Kitka was Catwoman, he just he, he shrugs and he says, that's one of the things in the life of a crime fighter. You know, we, this is what we do. Yeah. So to me, that the quality is that he subverts everything, you know, including his own self, in order to do what he has to do. And again, I say, you know, some could look at that as heroic. Others could look at that as totally nutball. It's like, you know, who are you to take on this <laughs> in the entire world? But, you know... That, that's another part of the the Batman character, you, you know. And I've had people disagree with me that uh, um, Batman is a, is a, a, a is damaged goods, you know. And this goes back to the tragedy, you know, that we, we were talking about. Uh, you know, he's a he's a broken uh, character. He's a broken you know man, and there's something broken inside of him that uh, after he um, uh, defeats his first few criminals super villains that that's not good enough uh to you know um to salve the wounds from his parents being killed he has to keep doing it you know as a career on and on and on and on uh pushing people away from him you know depending upon what version of the character and what era you know uh we're in especially in the in the later uh versions uh, but, um, you know, I think most people, uh, not most people, pardon me, professional psychiatrists and psychologists would probably look at, at Batman and say, yeah, this guy's sick. You know, he really, <laughs> really needs some, some, some de you know, definite help. But it, it drives him to be a superhero. Uh, he could have just stopped and he could have just been Bruce Wayne and, and maybe been an occasional hero, but he chose... He, he chooses, you know, the, this above and beyond uh, heroism. Awesome. And pe people forget that Superman is a, is a is a is a tragic uh, character. Also, you know, I mean, he, not only were his parents killed, but his entire world was destroyed. Right, right. Uh, and you know, we we tend to kind of forget that that part of the character, but it's it's not absolutely necessary. I can name how many characters that you know superheroes that don't have tragedy in their background um you know wonder woman is a is a good example you know definitely a superhero but she doesn't really have tragedy uh driving uh what she does right right very true very true um 
Any other thoughts? Miles, you look like you were going to say something. Yeah, I just think um, probably Batman is probably the most maybe unselfish, sacrificial um, superhero there is. I mean, because he doesn't have powers, because he is not indestructible, um, he, he has to put his life on the. He has to put his life on the line sometimes, and he also has to um, give up having a real life. I mean, sometimes you see a facade you know, of him going to some fancy gathering where he has, you know, a couple of beautiful women on his arm, but it, that's you know that's for show. It's not for. That's not. You know, he, he does. He we talked about. I think I think Jim Beard said this. You know, he's. Um, or maybe, maybe it was John. Bruce Bruce Wayne is is really the uh, facade. Batman is the real person here. Um, that um, so he has to so so Bruce Wayne can have a this image. He'll do, do you know he'll act like Bruce Wayne. The, you know the the, the um, most eligible bachelor in uh, Gotham City or the you know the Gotham City Playboy or whatever. But that's. That's not him at all. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he, he, to me, he is, I mean, the most sacrificial and selfish guy out there. Awesome. Yeah, I'll second that. I'll second that, Miles. It, it always has been impressive to me how Batman has never sought out to be in the limelight for anything. He doesn't want to be thanked, he just wants to see justice done uh, against people that justice cannot touch. Mm, right. Mm. You know, I think sometimes I've, I've heard it said that, well, Batman's a superhero by, by association. For example, he's a, he's, a, he's a superhero because he's part of the Justice League, and like most of the Justice League have, have their superpowers, and he's kind of in because he's part of the Super Friends group. Uh, Jim Arrowwood, can, can I get you to comment this in a little bit? Um, I don't know uh, that much about the Justice League. Did they come before or after the Avengers? Uh, before. Before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, if if you look at the Justice League, as I recall, each person in in the group has something that they bring to the table that's very special that another that the others don't have okay i as i say i don't know a whole lot about them but that that's kind of what i've seen reading comic books about them a long time ago mm -hmm. uh, miles uh, your thoughts on that idea about batman being a superhero by association well it certainly helps to have these people around you but I, but we have to also think what he contributes to the team. I mean, this this is a very intelligent individual. He's very you know so, and that he, he's called a detective, and, and he uses the detective skills to um, sol solve the crime, solve the mystery. Um, it's not that his it, when he is with the team, they aren't smart. Also, but it's just that he does not have. Because he, he he is not indestructible, he can't fly. He doesn't have super strength. He has to rely on what he does have, and fortunately, he seems to have been born fairly brilliant. And 
Um, and, and so we, we see, whatever, regardless of what other incarnation you see of him in, um, his his intellect plays a huge part in him catching the bad guy. Hmm. Very good. John, your thoughts on this? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, when it comes to, like, the whole superhero, like, the, the groups and stuff like that, I, I have actually always kind of liked the idea that Batman was the loner in that regard and really didn't want to work with the team. He, 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 does, seem to, he does seem to, like... Like the the episodes I've watched, he's always like sulking off somewhere. So he's always kind of running away from the group. So even though he's a part of the group, he doesn't really want to be a part of the group, it seems. Well, I remember that one. There's one Justice League episode where the Justice League agrees to turn themselves in and accept Batman. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's just like, you know, um, some of the fact that he's a part timer and. He he's kind of like screw you guys. I'm going home. I mean, he's you know, um, you yeah. guys want to turn yourself in? Go ahead. I mean, um, <laughs> that, I'm not doing that. That's just that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, Jim Beard, your thoughts on this? You know what i I see it uh, I see it more in the reverse of this. Batman is a, a primal superhero and other heroes can become more super by associating with him <laughs> you know what i mean i, I mean, like the way you turn that him as the, as, yeah look at him as a touchstone you know superman is obviously the touchstone but look at batman as another touchstone and and you know uh he doesn't become more super <laughs> in his heroism because of the others they they because of him you know, um, back and forth over 75 years, uh, and speaking to what John was talking about, Batman ha- has been mostly a loner character until a writer or, or a, 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 you know, um, a group comes along at DC, at the head of DC, to, and say, no, we need to have him in this group. He's a popular character. Sales will be better if he's in there. And then he's he's with a group and until somebody comes along again and reminds everybody that no he's a loner character it's stupid for him to be in a group with others. Um, there have been times where he has built groups of his own. Um, he actually quit the Justice League at one point uh, in the '80s to create a group called the Outsiders, which was a group of young heroes that that became his operatives, and and he kind of you know helped them become better superheroes. Even his own um, Bat family, you know, if you will, all of the sidekicks that he's had, all the different Robins or whatever. That's a really good example of of they have become superheroes or better at superheroing because of their association with with him you know re- remember there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that batman is a superhero right. and one of the superheroes so i have to look at that in yeah. the reverse way right right no absolutely uh, and a question for you jim beard is is batman has batman always been so pissed off I mean, he comes off. No. As, he 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 comes off. In John, I think you alluded to this in the most recent realm. He comes off as very dark, broody, and very seeming like he's yeah. doing this, but he seems angry at the same time. Like he's pissed off that that's, he has to do this. That's a recent creation. Um, uh, I, there's a few people who are going to disagree with me here, but 
the uh the the angst in the character um we didn't really get that until the maybe like the 80s and definitely into the 90s um even the 1939 batman there are 11 stories before robin ever appears but i, I challenge everybody seek those stories out and read them you will find a batman who smiles you will find a Batman that does bat climbs up walls, uh, who who delivers puns while fighting criminals, who escapes incredible death traps. Uh, yes, uh, many times he's running around at night, but there's a story where he's driving along in a car and gets lost and has to stop at a house to ask directions. So, awesome. you know, nobody nobody can tell me that, that the Adam West Batman did not uh, or, or uh, brought humor, you know, to the character or brought a lightness to the character. But again, um, uh, Denny O'Neill and uh, uh, Neil Adams um, brought some of the darkness back to the look of the character and to his adventures. But again, the character in 1970, and that was in direct response to the 60s TV series, that they wanted to put the final nail in the coffin of camp. And for the most part, they did, but it still took a while. Throughout the 70s, he was still palling around with the Justice League. Uh, uh, in the Brave and Bold comic book, he'd walk down the street uh, in broad daylight, and people would recognize him, and he'd wave to people. I mean, this was still going on into the so-called darker, you know, 70s realism. Um, it wasn't until, again, into the 80s, we pretty much when we hit Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns which really turned up the volume on the darkness, the angst, the murder of his parents. There were references before that, but, but, but Batman didn't dwell on it or brood over it, and if he did, it wasn't consistent. We had Dark Knight Returns, and that's pretty much the Batman that we have today, and there's nothing wrong with that. They took an element of the character, and they brought it to the forefront, and, uh, you know, a lot of people love that character the, the way it is today. It's a character that can be adapted to so many takes right. and so, you know, m many versions. And it's still all Batman. In, I, I'm going to go back again to the essay that I have in my Gotham City book. Uh, I lay out um, several points as to you have to have these points for it to be Batman. Uh, and that's from the very beginning and throughout all the versions of Batman. And the Adam West Batman hits all of those points. Uh, anything beyond that is just window dressing and signs of the times uh, that those stories take place in. But but again, this this brooding, you know, angsty, um, you know, I don't want to deal with anybody kind of Batman is is a let's say a. Uh, mid '80s up to you know into the '90s up into the new millennium uh, type of thing. Okay, very good. Thank you. Um, so, the question, John, I'm going to pose to you: If Batman is a superhero, which is kind of what we're coming down on here, what we seem to be agreeing on, do we need to make James Bond a superhero? <laughs> well, you know, I, I that would to me, I feel like that's apples and oranges, but. In the same way, I actually do bring in James Bond into my discussions with the kids, especially when we're doing Beowulf, you know, because Beowulf is telling the story of this one extraordinary human being who fights off monsters, is able to rip their arms off and, and swim uh, apparently for hours under the water. 
Um, but I, you know, I would say no. I would not. I would say he's definitely heroic, James Bond. But if we're gonna say superhero, I know this is gonna sound weird, but there is a level of reality to Batman that James Bond does not possess. I always tell kids when they're reading Beowulf and when we're we're talking about James Bond, we do what we call suspension of disbelief. You're willing to let certain things go. There's still that element that there could be a Batman roaming around this world, righting wrongs, and, and we've seen it in the news, people getting dressed up. I do not see... Um, you know, people diving off cliffs like James Bond did after an airplane, catching up with it, climbing on board, and trying to take the plane over and, and straighten it out. I forget which one it was. I know it was um, uh, uh, a Pierce Brosnan film. But to me, I would say no. Hmm. Um, other thoughts on that question? I posed it to John. Uh, Jim Arrowood, Jim Beard, Miles, any thoughts on that? Well, Bond, he's 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 a good dresser, but he he doesn't have a you know a cool costume <laughs> like Batman does. He has a suit. He's like I said, he he's he's a great dresser. He dresses very well, but you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that yeah. uh, he's super cool, but um, a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Don't they both come out and say like Batman says, "I'm Batman." And doesn't it, it Bond says I'm Bond, James Bond. Yeah, you know, same. <laughs> no, I, yeah. uh, I, I think that yeah. I, I, I've seen those parallels sometimes, and they're certainly there. But I think I'd be hard pressed too to push him out as a superhero. Miles, thoughts on it? No, I agree. You agree, <laughs> uh, Jim Beard? Any other thoughts on that before we move in some listener feedback? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's not a superhero. Um, one of the things that we didn't really get into is is the is the uh, when when these superheroes choose to um, be active in their in their heroism, uh, they create a persona, you know, that may be somewhat separate from their real life, real persona. They don't all have to have secret identities, but, you know, the costume goes into that and a code name goes into that. I love James Bond, but he's he's not a consistent hero. Um, he, um, he works for an agency. Uh, he's a spy, um, and that's not always the most heroic or what we tend to think of, you know, as heroic. Uh, he works for somebody else, basically. Hmm. Um, and uh, again, he's absolutely a hero, but he's not—he's not consistently going above and uh, beyond. And the other thing is, this is very controversial. It could be a whole podcast on its own. To me, a superhero does not kill, and of course, James Bond does kill. That's part of his duties, you know, to to eliminate opposition uh, if necessary. Um, obviously, this is a big deal now. Uh, spoiler alert, because of the Man of Steel, uh, recent Man of Steel movie, um, and uh, that that particular scene that I'm referring to almost made me get up and walk out of the movie. Uh, the end. Uh, because to, <laughs> to me, to me, yeah, that, to me, that is not that's not a superhero. Um, people might ask me if I consider the Punisher to be a superhero, and I would go so far as to say, no, not really. Uh, um, uh, because of his, you know, the, uh, how he deals with criminals. So, so n- no, love James Bond, love Batman, 
hero and superhero, two different things. Chan said it best, apples and oranges. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing we have to distinguish is just because stuff's appearing in comic books by DC and Marvel does not make them superheroes either. I mean... I mean oh, no, absolutely yeah. not. So... Yeah. So, well, let's go into some listeners' thoughts. Uh, I posed this question on uh, the many social media networks, and uh, one listener, I like this response, one listener wrote in and said, uh, I don't think he is. He has no superpowers. To me, he's just some weird guy with lycra fetish who likes to, accessor- to accessorize. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was funny, even though I didn't agree with it. But <laughs> um, Matt Mather said, yes, his superpower is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Miles, like read, yeah, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Scott says, Scott Purdy says, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Josh Damon said, ask yourself this. Do you have the balls to tell him that he isn't to his face? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That's an interesting question. Would, would You know, would, if you ask Batman, if he, does he think of himself as a superhero, what would Batman say? Yeah, that is true. His answer mm. would be no. Yeah, I think his answer might be no. He would say no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another listener. uh, Maybe that's the true sign of a superhero. Yeah, true. True. Is is unable to accept oneself as a superhero. (laughs) Yeah. One of our listeners uh, says, uh, Joseph says... uh, Asks, well, what is the definition of a superhero? That's what we've yeah. been talking about. This we evening. talked about that kind mm-hmm. of throughout this this episode here. Um, and uh, Kevin Kresge said, technically, no. While he's awesome, he's not super. But again, I think he's hearkening back to this idea that super means, um, mm-hmm. you know, they focus on the super and not the hero part of it, which is, uh, Jim Baird, that's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, Matt... Uh, Matt Meyer said, we just had this debate on Saturday night, so other people are talking about it. Uh, Jim, you chimed into this already, and we got your thoughts. Um, Lee Kemp, with enough money, you can be super anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Betsy Betsy says, yes. I would think not just because he does cool stuff, but really mentally. I mean, he is is a superhero because he goes above and beyond the call of normal. He helps in ways those in need by ridding the world of evil in a way that only he can. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Iron Man's right in the same spot, although maybe not as cool as Batman. Uh, but he's, just, you know, well, you're right, well funded. Uh, if you have enough money, you can do a lot of things super and dedicate it toward the mm-hmm. good. Uh, Terry said uh, he's a well funded vigilante, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and is he is he ever called? Is he ever called the vigilante? He is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, oh, was, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, so I I've mean, heard. yeah, yeah, that's where. So uh, I, I, I was getting a mess messed up with the uh, with the arrow, you know, green arrow. It was also called that. Uh, Amy says yeah. uh, he's a costumed hero. Yeah, so costume folks. Uh, Don Ben, <laughs> that, that's mincing words, right? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a costumed hero. There you go. Well, well, wait. Let's go back even farther when we used to call them mystery men. Oh yes. You know. In the 1940s, they were they were mystery men, which I love. I love that term, but uh, oh boy, a costumed hero. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's that's well, kind of dancing a costume, around. It. A costume is above and beyond. So just take out the word costumed and put in super. There you go. There, there, there we have it. There we have it. Uh, let's see. Um, Don Bender said, "No, he's a vigilante with intelligence and lots of money." But again. You know, 
Yeah. That, that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, J- Jason says, mm-hmm. according to Webster's, a fictional hero having extraordinary or superhuman powers all, also an exceptionally skilled or successful person. Yeah, that was the uh, definition that we read earlier, and mm-hmm. we do agree with that, at least in part. And let me see. And Remy uh, Levictori said, I'd say no. Mm. Yeah. And so he'd say he doesn't believe he's a superhero. So. David Gray says Iron Man could be considered in the same boat. Yeah, and there's uh, there are many other. I mean, I Hawkeye, list, yeah. yeah, Hawkeye, Green, Green Arrow, Arrow, all yep. play into that. Uh, Jonathan Colbin this is the last one we have. Okay, here's the way it is: Batman isn't a superhero. He's a hero to be sure, and with all his gadgets and stuff, he does some pretty super stuff. But a superhero is someone who would exhibit a superhuman ability on his own, basically. And so this is kind of the premise, but this is uh, this is where he came at it from. So, yeah. So it's like uh, being in the twilight zone. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Sorry. It is. I, I just I can't wrap my brain, you know, around the angle that that they're coming in on, and I'm wondering if this is something. This is something of the pardon me, the younger generation. You know, it, it, the, and when I say that, it's to me, it's the same way of thinking of they can't look at a, the typical superhero costume and not see those as trunks that they wear, but that's their underwear. Right. You know, it's like I, I would never that that thought never occurred to me. You know, but I argue with people like that all the time. It's a, to me, it's a complete um, uh, misunderstanding of the term. Do you, do you, Sorry. I know. I think that's great. And that's a good question. Why? Maybe this is why is this term so misunderstood today? And I think maybe that's a another question we haven't talked about. That maybe we can kind of end uh, this little segment talking about why is the term superhero like this so misunderstood? Is this a cultural thing? Is this is this because of the movies that have been put out there? Is it? I mean, what's going on? It, probably because because we go back to the the Flash, the Flash and the Bang. The flashiest uh, superheroes have powers. Uh, they're the ones that I think a lot of people gravitate towards because they can do those things that that we can't. Uh, if we if we had the money and we trained hard enough and we had the intelligence, we could be Batman. We can never ever 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 be Superman. We can't be born on another planet. And and come here as a child and grow up with you know powers beyond those of mortal men. Um, so uh, again, it, it's it, you know it, it's being too literal. I think what it is, and yes, I think that is something that that's cultural uh, of being too literal and misunderstanding the the word super uh, and, and attaching it to or, or thinking of it only as superpowers. And, and not understanding what the word super actually, you know, actually means. That's yeah. my take on it. Yeah. Um, I think of the word uh, uh, super, and John, you maybe correct me because we're both English teachers, but supra, uh, is, is super the Latin, which means kind of above? Is that is that correct in that? I believe you're right. Yeah, I think but so. I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a Latin expert by any means, but, but the idea of above, we, we take that apart and say, Above a, a hero that is, as as I think Jim Beard talked about, is someone that goes be above and beyond the call of duty in heroism, not just 
these one acts that we do in the in the in the place of crisis, but are kind of looking for ways to continue to put themselves in harm's way to better humanity, to thwart the evil guy or whatever they do, and that seems to be more or less the definition that Jim Beard you were talking about. This idea that these are people that go above and beyond the call of duty in heroism. Yeah, and I am looking up in my own dictionary right now, and uh, uh, it says a prefix uh, occurring originally in loan words from Latin with the basic meaning, quote, above, beyond, unquote. Oh, awesome. So we we hit it, we hit it close. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, were, we were close. So, uh, to that. Hero- heroism above and beyond. <laughs> yeah, there there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, well, any other thoughts before we wrap up this uh, discussion here? I think I think we, yeah I think I think that says wow. it all. Then oh, we 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 have answered this question tonight. And uh, no, so ba- Batman. I think I think the consensus seems to be that Batman definitely belongs in the superhero realm, and uh, people just seem here, to mis- here, here. people just seem to misunderstand what the term superhero. And I, I believe it's a misconception that goes beyond just Batman. We're talking Batman tonight, but uh, there's a lot of other heroes out there that don't fit the bill of uh, superheroes with supernatural powers or mm-hmm. you know mutated genes or coming from another yeah. planet. And uh, we picked on Batman tonight. Uh, I think many times he seems to be the culprit and the scapegoat of this, but there's a lot of other superheroes that kind of fit into this as well. Well, before we go, let's find out a I little... Mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you, uh, you're, we're cutting out so many characters. I know. Uh, I know. From that. I mean, you, you know, um, uh, Green Arrow... Uh, the atom is is a guy with a device, you know. Um, Green Lantern is a guy with a device, basically. You yeah. know, I don't think anybody would argue with me that he's not a superhero. Take the yeah. ring away, and he's a normal man. Right. right. Absolutely. He just yeah. has this. So gadget. I remember. You know, um, I remember reading. Ahead. I remember reading Green Lantern comic books in the. The one thing that stands out in my mind is he always seemed to be the guy who got his butt kicked. Because <laughs> he was so powerful, so you have to take him out first. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, before we go here, let's find out a little bit about where people can find each of you on the interweb if you want to be found. And uh, Jim Arrowwood, let's start with you, and then we'll just kind of go around. Okay, Facebook, Twitter. I have a blog, jimsci-fi.blogspot.com. I appear on the Dune Saga podcast, uh, which I really enjoy, and also the Babylon Project podcast with uh, Raul Ibera. And we have a lot of fun talking about our that twenty year old series. So that's kind of where I am. Awesome. Uh Jim Beard, tell us a little bit about where people can find you and in this book that you're talking about, where maybe they can find that. Uh yeah, um please go to Amazon.com and look up my author's page. Uh, that's Jim Beard, uh and you'll see not only Gotham City fourteen miles there, but you'll see all my uh fiction work. And uh, Gotham City 14 Miles has its own Facebook page. 
just go to Facebook.com and, and put in Gotham City 14 Miles. Uh, it has become a more general page for to talk about the show and everything connected with it. Uh, we're kind of in a glory time right now with the show. Um, and then I also have a uh, so-called quote-unquote fan page on Facebook called The Beard, the Jim Beard fan page. And, you know, please uh, please drop me a, a line there. Awesome. And, and John, where can they find you if they want to find you? Well, if they want to find me personally, I, you know, I've got the Facebook page, Twitter. It's uh, Drewshi, D-R-E-W-S-H-I 2000 uh, on Twitter. If they want to follow the Chronic Rift Network, all our uh, podcasts, including the Sci-Fi Diner, um, we also have a Facebook page. We have uh, Twitter, uh, Chronic underscore Rift. And if they specifically want to hear more about, you know, my thoughts on the Batman 60s series and hear more of Jim as well, because he's on our most recent episode and will be appearing again next week as well. Uh, they can find the Batcave podcast on Facebook and Batcave podcast on Twitter. Awesome. One of the most fun podcasts ever. Not, <laughs> not, counting, this, not counting this one. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Thanks for the mail. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Awesome. It's well deserved. Awesome. <laughs> and Miles, where can they find us here? Sci Fi Diner? Uh, easiest place is our, our website, Sci Fi Diner Podcast. Uh, also, we have a, a Facebook page where we have a very thriving to, uh, conversations going on. And we're also on Twitter, Sci Fi Diner Podcast um, on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here tonight in this panel. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome to kind of get in here and uh, tear apart uh, this this misconception that's many times is out there. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, service, and the conversation. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading. Flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner share your thoughts on our listener feedback show if you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com <laughs>